0: Well, apparently we had a technical glitch, so I I apologize for that. Um, So if you haven't heard me for uh, the last couple of minutes, do you hear anything right now? I think um, Kelly heard something on hers. Okay, Kelly, can you hear me? We're having some technical glitches right now. I'm not sure what's going on just yet. have looks like, let me turn my volume on to see if I can hear me. Well, it looks like, yep. Okay, so it looks like we're back. So I'm not really sure what happened, but again, I salute each and every one of you. Uh, We thank the Lord for each and every one of you again. I know that the world is geared up for this celebration or at least uh, many in the world are are geared up for this celebration uh, today. But I wanna talk to you From the Word of God, and just ask this question Who is the church? In our culture, in in the Pentecostal uh, experience, the apostolic faith, uh, one of the things that you will hear often uh, is somebody asked a question, Who is the church? and the congregation will, uh, with great emotion, uh, yell back, I am the church. Kind of getting this idea that the church is us, we are the church. Uh, in essence, we are that which embodies what is the church, and that is Christ, the fullness of God in us, that the church is no longer the physical building upon, uh, you know, which we, uh, the place that we go to fellowship or to come together. But I want to talk to you today a, a little bit um, Give you an idea a little bit, uh, maybe a different perspective, a little bit deeper into uh, the answer to that question who is the church? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the uh, first book of Timothy, and I'm going to read for your hearing the third chapter, the uh, 15th, and the 16th verse. And I'm going to come to you today from that topic. Who is the church? And I want to talk about the church, or um, what really should be the understanding is God manifested in the flesh. So the scripture reads like this But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That's First Timothy 3:15 uh, through 16. Now, as you're going through this and we're starting to kind of talk about this text, uh, I want you to, if you could, just highlight, underline, score in some way uh, in the 16th verse, uh, something that really stands out that's really important and, and that's the phrases: he was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up into glory. These are very uh, important things that we're going to kind of talk about as you know, I spend the next 30 or so minutes with you. Uh, it's my plan to get give you what God has given and get out, get out of your way so you can enjoy uh, your day with family and friends. Now, there are three aspects of the church that are mentioned in verse 15. First is the house of God, the church of the living God, and then the pillar and base of truth. Then verse 16 continues with the great mystery of godliness, which is Christ or God manifested in the flesh. So, When we look at these two verses, uh, we may wonder how uh, they both relate to each other because it seems like when you read one, it's kind of in one idea pool, and then when it switches to the next verse, it kind of switches and jumps to a different pool. And and, and, you know, there's there's reason and rhyme to everything now. Some would say with reason that uh, a semicolon at the end of verse 15 is better than a period, which indicates a full stop. So the pillar and base of the truth, semicolon, and confessedly, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was manifested in the flesh. So this is the idea... apologize i'm not it must be the weather i'm not really sure what the issue is um but i'm going to power through this and if for some reason we lose the feed i know it's nothing but the enemy not wanting me to get the truth out but i want to talk to you uh continue where i was where i was at so the question then becomes why is the church mentioned together with the manifestation of god in the flesh and the, the answer is because the church itself is the house of God. So when we look at the church, we have to understand that the church is identified as the house of God or as our houses, the place where we dwell, the church is the place where God dwells. So what does the term then house of God mean? So when you refer to your house, you mean the place where you live, where you uh, work out of You know, where you come and rest, where you hang out and enjoy things. It's your base from which, um, you know, you exist and experience all that is life. And it's the same meaning of the house of God. It's not a, um, a light or a loose term. The house of God is the place where God dwells, where he lives, where he works out uh, his life, while at the same time experiences all of life. So this house is none other than the church of the living God. Now notice the term that's uh, you know, mentioned. It's not merely God But it's uh, referred to in the text as the living God. He is alive and he now dwells in the church. He now moves in the church. He now lives in the church. He now works out uh, all that is life from the church. So when we say that the church is the house of God, we must have a very deep realization that God dwells, lives, experiences, and works out his life in the house, so you have to ask yourself, uh, do I have such a, an understanding concerning the house of God? When I say that, uh, you know, when I answer the question that's asked across pulpits uh, in this nation, who is the church? And I, uh, you know, wholeheartedly raise my hand and yell and scream, oh, I am the church. I am the church. Do I understand what it is that I am fully saying? Because when I say that I am the church, what I'm saying is, is that I am the place where God not only dwells, but works out life. I am the very place that God is experiencing life. I am his house, and from me, he is working out life. And we have to understand this when we say this. So uh, this leads us to understand then that the church is really uh, then the pillar and base of all truth. The church is not only the house of God, um, but the scripture tells us, um, you know, besides God dwelling there, living there and experiencing life and working out a life, it is also the pillar and the base of truth. So what is truth? Now, you can't think that truth means doctrine. And it's, it, we, we got to really understand this. And, and, and I know that this is a touchy subject. And, you know, people say, well, if you don't have a doctrine, then what do you stand for? And if you don't have anything that you stand for, then you'll fall for anything. And I've heard all the different things. And I'm not telling you not to have a doctrine. But we have to understand that truth is not doctrine. Your doctrine is not the uh, the foundation of what is truth. The word truth in this passage means reality. Nothing is real in the whole universe, and nothing is truth except. Uh, That which uh, is in the word of God. Everything else is just a shadow. Everything can be seen. Everything can be touched. Everything that can be possessed and enjoyed is not real, but at best is just a shadow of what is real. Whatever exists in this universe is but a shadow, not the real thing. And this was the basis of what Morpheus was trying uh, to determine uh, in the one of my favorite movies, The Matrix. Um, when you know we should be you know, seeking out what is real, you know, and that was the question uh, when he talked to Neo: What is real? And he tried to show him a reality that was different than the reality that uh, Neo had enjoyed up until him coming to the realization that maybe what he thought was real wasn't really real. If you've never seen The Matrix, you gotta go check it out. It's a good movie. Anyway, so what is the real thing? To answer that question, it's very simple the real thing is Christ, He is the reality of everything. You ought to put that in the comment section. Jesus is the reality of everything. So the food that you take is not real food. It's only a shadow of what real food is. The real food is Jesus. If you do not have Jesus, then you don't have the reality of food, you only have a shadow of what is real. Now you may think that the human life that you have is real, but in essence in truth it's not. It's only a shadow of what real life is because Jesus is life. Real life is Jesus. So if you have the son of God, then you have real life. If you do not have the son of God, then you do not have real life. Now, if, you, if you're wondering where this is coming from, if you look in First John 5 and 12, you'll find that he indicates in this text this very thing. Without the Son of God, you don't have life. You don't have the reality of life. So if a, if a brother or sister sends uh, you a selfie, you would say that this brother or sister, uh, you know, is so-and-so. You know, it's brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. But in truth, it's not really brother uh, or sister so-and-so. It's only a snapshot uh, of who that person is. It's really, at essence, fake news or a false picture. In fact, all pictures are false because the real thing is not what's found in the picture. The whole universe is nothing but a picture. All the types, all the figures, all the shadows in the Old Testament are but pictures of the reality that is to come. And that reality was found in Christ. Christ is the truth. Christ is the reality of the whole universe. Christ is the reality of the Old Testament and also that of the New Testament. He is the fulfillment of what the Old Testament talked about, and he is uh, the foundation upon what the New Testament establishes. And if you have only the teaching about Christ, you do not have the reality of Christ. Christ himself is the truth, and his spirit is the spirit of truth if you don't believe me and i always tell you validate what i tell you according to the word of god john 14 and 17 john 15 and 26 john 16 and 13 first john 5 and 6 will tell you this he himself is the reality and his spirit is the spirit of what is real. So the church in which this living God dwells, lives, and moves is the pillar and the base upon which the reality of all things stands. It bears the reality. So within the church, the living God dwells, and upon that church, the truth, the reality, stands. So we're not standing for or because of our doctrine, but we are standing for Christ who is the reality of what is true. So we should be able to say friends come and see you know uh, Christ come to the church and see the reality of the universe come and see the reality of life the reality of love the reality of patience and the reality of all the things that we consider good. If you want to understand what is real you cannot understand them fully without the foundation of what is true and Jesus declared that he is truth. I I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You cannot have any of those things without Him. I read a story uh, about a man who visited the creator uh, of the Watchman on the Wall. And, and the story goes that uh, one afternoon, and I think it was the year 1933, while they were visiting together, um, he ran into Brother Watchman Knee. And he suddenly asked this question What is patience? Now, at first, uh, this person thought that this was a kind of a childish question. They thought that, you know, you know, asking the question of what is patience is something you would ask to a small child. But since the question came from the mouth of this prominent man, they felt that they should not take it lightly. So they considered the the question further. What does he mean? What is patience? So he, he felt like he shouldn't, you know, ask. Uh, you know a a question to answer the question and he felt like he should not ignore the question so he was sitting in a rocking chair rocking back and forth and violently uh, ventured out to say uh, something that he thought was profound patience is something by which one suffers and endures the ill treatment of others that is patience now he felt good about his answer he, you know, and let me say it for you again because it sounds good patience is something by which one suffers and endures the ill treatment of others that is patience and you know he, he was feeling good about himself and you know he looks over at, at, at brother watchman knee, uh, and, he, and he, he's waiting for this answer you know to pat him on the back to say he did a good job and he got the response no so then he asks well if patience is not endurance, then what is patience? So, and, and he, you know, uh, Mr. Need continued to, you know, rock in his rocking chair. And he continued uh, being asked the questions. What is patience? What is patience? What is patience? And after a long period of time, he suddenly answered. And this is the most profound answer you will ever get. Patience is Christ. Very short, very to the point, very simple. Patience is Christ Now he really couldn't understand that kind of um, language So he says brother that sounds strange to me I don't understand what it is you're trying to tell me Tell me what it is that you mean And he wouldn't say anything else He just kept, uh, you know, kept repeating that patience is Christ Patience is Christ And as the story goes the whole afternoon they were talking and all that he would say is patience is Christ and they wouldn't talk about anything else and the more that uh, he repeated that the more this brother was puzzled and after three or four hours uh, they departed from each other and he was disappointed because he couldn't get the full understanding and he went down to his room and he knelt down and he began to pray and he said Lord tell me what it means that patience is Christ. I don't understand. And he came back with this response. He said, finally, the Lord showed him that our patience must be Jesus himself. Patience is Jesus living within me and through me. And he said that when he saw this, it was to him a very real revelation. He was extremely excited. Now, this story may seem strange, and some may think that, um, in fact, um, it's really weird, while others may think that it is profound. But I want you to realize something. We have to realize that human patience, which we can attain by ourselves, is not real patience. Human patience is only a form of or a shadow of what is real, and real patience is Jesus. Everything that we need, patience, humility, kindness, love for others, and even love for God, can only be found and generated in and through Jesus himself. Even the Ten Commandments are only a shadow uh, of the law. Christ is the reality of the law. If we have Christ living out through us, then we have the the reality and the fulfillment of all the requirements of the Ten Commandments. If Christ is aligned in us, then we are fulfilling the command of God. The church must bear the truth, and the truth is the reality of Jesus. So the church must be the pillar and the base of this universal reality, which is found only in Jesus Christ. We must be able to tell others, come to the church so that you might see what real patience is. and might see what real humility is. It's not what I have demonstrated, but only what Christ has demonstrated through me. Come and see real faith. Uh, Come and see real fullness. Come and see the reality of what it is, to be honest. What is that that people see when they go to your church? We proclaim that we are the church that we have to make this into we have to ask ourselves this very intimate question what do people see when they go to you as the church in the church God dwells because the church is the house of God God lives he moves he works his life uh, Is found in the church and the testimony and the reality of that stand upon the church. So we must consider that these two aspects um, are connected to us. God dwelling in the church is the inward um, expression of this intimate connection and outwardly the church bears the testimony or the reality of what's uh, happening inside of us. So these two aspects inward and outward show what is the real mingling together of God with man. Within the church, this group of redeemed, regenerated, and transformed people, God dwells. And upon this same group of people, there is the reality of the universe. All the reality of the universe is centered in this group. If anyone wants to know what life is, he has to come to the church and see it. If if, if someone uh, would like to know what love is, they too must come to the church to see it. If the reality of humility and kindness is to be known, the church is the place to find it and to see it and to experience it. Upon this group of people is seen the reality of the all-inclusive Jesus Jesus the inclusiveness of the Godhead all the Godhead found in Christ bodily now dwells in us through the gift of his uh, of his spirit so the testimony of the church is not in doctrine but in bearing Jesus as our reality this is a relations manifestation not a religious manifestation so when you see me then the the uh, expression of what you see should not be Jesse's reality but it should be the reality of Christ in and through me if we are to understand the word of God Jesse died the moment Jesus came into my life and then Jesse ceased to live because daily I crucified Jesse that he would stay dead and that Jesus might be seen in and through me and remain alive in and through me so that what is real can be experienced by people in the world and and this is what we refer to when we talk about uh, a relational manifestation of God rather than a religious manifestation of God many people that we would say are church people uh, you've experienced them you've shared life with them you've you've what you've seen and shared is a religious manifestation not a Uh, relational manifestation and there is a stark difference between the two the more that we exclaim jesus yet do not have the inner reality of jesus the more christ will not be manifest in us if we have christ only in shouting in 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 talking and in teaching then we do not have him in our inner life nor will we experience him in our outer living or our daily uh, engagement with life itself So the church has to be the pillar and the base, bearing Jesus as its only reality of its everything. And if we do not know the real meaning of life, we must be able to come to the church so that we can find out what the real meaning of life is and the meaning of life is Jesus. So we talk about the church being the manifestation of God in the flesh. And this is the right meaning of the house of God and the pillar and the base of truth. This church is the continuation and the multiplication of God being manifested in the flesh. This is the reason that the Apostle Paul put these two verses together. The manifestation of God in the flesh has very much to do with the church being the house of God and the pillar or base of what is true. So when we are the living body of Christ in a certain place, we are uh, really the house of God and the pillar and base of reality in that place. We are then the increase, the enlargement or the manifestation of God in and through the flesh. God manifests himself again through the flesh, but in a much wider way. So the principle of the New Testament is the principle of the incarnation, which simply is God himself Being manifested in us. In other words, God is mingled together with human beings, not in an outward way, but in an inward way. The church is the manifestation of God, not the manifestation of doctrine or even gifts. The church must have God in Christ through the Spirit manifested, not the doctrine or the gifts that are just demonstrated. The church is the manifestation of God, not the manifestation of your doctrine. The church is the manifestation of God, not the manifestation of your spiritual gifting. No matter what that gifting may be, the church is not a manifestation of your gift. It's not a manifestation of your doctrine. It's a manifestation of God. So we have to understand that we are not built Uh, upon an outward change and this is too often what we find and you really only see this because When you get in a relationship with people, you'll see the church person. That's the person that shows up in the actual physical uh, building of the church. And then you see the person that's outside the church. And too often, the person you meet in the church house is a little different than the person you meet outside the church house. The person in the church house is exhibiting a religious manifestation because they're dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's. You know, they've got the suit on. You know, they're wearing the right clothes. They're, you know, they're acting the right way. They're, hi, brother, so-and-so. Hello, sister, so-and-so. at oh, me get the door for you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. They're singing songs. they shouting and dancing and all this stuff in the church. But when they go home, it's a whole different uh, story. It's a slightly different person. You don't get that same thing. So what you're experiencing is the manifestation of a religious uh, a person. Someone that's religion has become their manifestation rather than their relationship with Jesus. I have died and now Christ is alive in me. So we become burdened because we fear too often that many of our brothers and sisters unconsciously think that we are going to form a new movement or train people to form a new pattern for the church. And this really is not what we're called to do. It's not the real concern of of the church. We must always look to the Lord for uh, this kind of direction and understanding. It has to be uh, only directed by God. God did not call us to establish all these things. He called us to restore relationship with him. So it has to be 100% purged out of us. We are not here with the intention of forming a new movement. No A hundred times no. If we do it, it simply proves that we do not know the way of God. We don't understand how God operates and how he pours the entirety of himself in us. Now, I have to stress again and again that the church is not something that is formed according to any certain pattern. The living God dwelling in us is not a matter of doctrine. According to their daily walk, most Christians today do not know the way of the inner life. They they don't understand Jesus as their inner life. And this is why you you see this stark difference depending on their physical position uh, here in the earth, whether they're in the church house or they're in their natural home. And this is really troubling and it burdens me because when people gain a certain kind of realization or they learn certain methods, they try to start something new where they live. And this is not how God works. What we need today is not a change of clothes, but a change of blood. The natural blood has to be changed. We need a change, not only Outwardly, but also inwardly. Suppose a person was formerly a pastor with the title of reverend, uh, perhaps he was even dressed in, uh, you know, the clergyman's robe or uh, the clergy collar that you see me wearing today. Uh, you know, and, and you think that they've got that representation of Christ. Then they receive the light that all these things are really wrong the titles pastor and reverend are wrong, the collar turned backward is wrong, the black robe is is wrong so they get rid of all these things and they cross out the clergyman's title uh uh uh, title and they begin to just wear ordinary clothes and then after this they work to uh you know for the lord in another place and in another way without the title and without the robe now whether this is right or not i would not really like to say at this time but i do wish to say this We have to find out whether a real change has taken place within the heart of that person. No doubt they've dropped all the former things at least outwardly but has there been an inward change for them they've got a revelation that says all of the outward adornment uh, has to be dropped off because it's not right And now I'm not telling you today as you see I wear a collar so I'm not telling you that wearing a collar is wrong what I'm using this is as, as an analogy that just because you see an outward change does not mean that there's been an inward change formerly that person was uh, ministering you know according to what he believed by himself uh, and and really that's based off his natural life now he feels that because there's a change uh, in the outward things that there uh, has to be a change then in his inward life and this is really not really foundationally true it's probably that he is still working and ministering for the lord by the same life that he had when he used the title or wore the clothes although he had a real change outwardly there was nothing that changed inwardly inwardly he was still the same person and this type of, uh, of pattern, this, this change is, simil- is simply bec- uh, become an outward movement. So formerly he practiced the church by voting and forming an executive committee. Now he drops that and gathers a group of elders. Although this is a real change... Nothing is really changed in the inner life. So the outward change is not the result of an inward change in life. It becomes merely another new religious movement. And God is not manifesting himself into us so that we can create a new religious movement, social movement, or any other kind of movement. Moreover, we we must go beyond the change even in the inner life and realize the church. The church is a mingling together of God with man. So the reason that we've spoken so much about the soul and the spirit and the heart over these last several months is, is to help us to realize that God is our content and we are his container. God is our content. You ought to put that in the, in the comment section. That, 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 that's really good. God is our content. And we are simply the container. You ought to put that in there. I'm the container, I'm, I'm just what holds. Uh, Christ. I don't make up Christ. I just hold Christ. Christ is embodied in me. And we, we have to know how to adjust our heart so that we may open our heart and let Jesus come in. And we have to know how to exercise our spirit in order to contact him, contain him, and even digest him. For example, suppose you eat steak for dinner. And when you have contained this steak in your stomach for hours, it will be digested and become uh, the very uh, constituent of your body. Now, this is the true picture of the church. But present Christianity is really more a religious reality than it is the reality of life itself. The problem today is not simply a change of form outwardly, But the lack of a change inwardly. There's no change in life. We are not built by mere teachings. You have to understand this. I am not built just simply because someone stood before me and taught me some things from the word of God. We should not give attention only to just teaching. In order to help us and allow us to uh, have a a better understanding, let me give you a simple illustration. When I was a boy, uh, I and many others studied uh, in in Christian school, and and I received a Christian uh, education. And we were taught with the stories of the Bible. And although uh, we were not all saved, uh, most of us were brought into Christianity and learned the doctrines of Christianity or at least those of the Catholic Church because I I was in a Catholic school. And many times we argued with people that Christianity was the right religion. Now Missionaries ministered all the doctrines and the teachings to us, we learned that God is a God of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We learned that Christ was born of a virgin and lived, walked, and, and worked in the earth, and we even believed that he was resurrected. But if you asked us, are you saved, we did not truly know the answer to that question at that time when we were receiving just the teaching to us god and christ were just terms they were just words that identified something that was much greater and bigger than us i have to testify that by that time hardly any of the several hundred members in the school uh, were clear about salvation they were known however as christians Sometimes all the members of our local church, uh, you know, uh, or from the school would parade up and down the streets holding, you know, crosses and singing onward, Christian soldier and all this stuff. And, you know, I share this really in order to illustrate how empty just teachings alone can be. Some insist on ministering a set of teaching, which we call today doctrine, as a predestination or free will or absolute grace or eternal security these are doctrinal teachings and you can minister all these teachings but the life and the spirit within people may never get touched to continue uh, my own testimony one day I finally had a real experience with God and God touched me. He touched me deeply within and wrought a real change, not just externally, but internally. Even the outward living and the outward walk were changed. The real change in my life influenced others also to get saved. And thereafter, I knew that I must have something more than just teaching. In other words, I was not just a person walking around with knowledge that had been given to me, but I was a person That took the things that were given and allowed a real life change to take place. All the teachings in the scriptures must simply be a vehicle to transmit Jesus into us. If they do not fulfill this purpose, then we are desperately short of something. We have to understand we're not built by teaching and we're not built by mere gifts. The same principle applies uh, in, in this matter of gifts, these spiritual gifts. Many Christians today think that since they have a spiritual gift that they then are quite spiritual. But in fact... That's not the truth. If you read 1 Corinthians, you can see the state of the uh, of the Corinthian believers. They exercised the gifts even more than the apostle. But did they have the real growth of life? Well, if you look at 1 Corinthians 14, 18-20, you'll find out the answer is no. They were, in fact, fleshly and childish. So as the teachings, you know... Uh, are meant to really convey or to be the transmission of Jesus to us, so are the spiritual gifts. They are a means only to demonstrate and manifest Christ into us. So God's intention today is not to give us a bunch of teaching and a bunch of spiritual gifts, uh, gifts, but simply to minister and impart himself into us. And here's a real incident I read about. A man met a person who was full of the knowledge of the Bible. But as he talked about the Bible, he was smoking. And after talking about the book of Matthew and the the ten virgins for half an hour, he said, excuse me, I have to take a smoke break. Now, this other man knew that this uh, in his upbringing was wrong and that the man was uh, really weak in spirit. He had a lot of knowledge but he was weak in spirit. Then he went into the book of Revelation and he talked about the 10 horns and the seven heads and the 42 months and he had the strength, you know, the strength to teach all these things, but then he had to take another smoke break. He said, excuse me, I got to take a smoke break. Now, although he was strong in biblical teaching, he was weak in spiritual living. Now, I see this same story being played out in churches across this nation. Many people seem to be strong in the knowledge of the word of God, but they are weak in the manifestation of the knowledge that they possess. They have the word, but they have no demonstration of the word in their life. They are undisciplined, they have no self-control, and a person that is undisciplined, lacking self-control, is not one that's governed inwardly by the manifestation of the knowledge that they de- that they declare they possess. I've seen many people speaking in tongues after the demonstration of the gift that were careless in how they lived. Some were even more careless than unbelievers. It was easy for them to lose their temper at home, all these things simply prove one thing that God's intention is not to give us teaching or gifts but to give us himself he is the living one he is our reality we are caught away by all of these uh, fancy shiny things when Jesus is saying don't look at those things look at me. He uses the teaching when given in a proper way to convey who he is to us and sometimes he uses certain gifts as the means to minister Christ to us and stir up people to receive Christ but we almost realize that God's intention is that we may know the living God the triune God and experience Christ in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit do you remember the story in the Old Testament about a donkey that spoke a human language a donkey was talking English now this is or I'm sorry he was talking the language of the day today the donkey would be talking English but he was talking the language of the day Uh, now that was genuine speaking in tongues and I doubt whether all the tongues that we hear today are actually genuine I read an article recently in which the writer reported that he had contacted more than 100 people speaking in tongues and he said that everyone without exception doubted whether the tongue they spoke was genuine Yet the writer encouraged people not to doubt, but to continue their experience. And after I read that, I said to myself, at the time of Pentecost, did Peter doubt whether the tongue he spoke was genuine? Was there anyone at that time who had such doubt, who declared in a different language the word of God? But today, why do so many people question whether or not the tongue that they speak is genuine? The simple answer is, too many people speaking tongues today are not genuine. But even if you are speaking a genuine tongue, I must tell you that that is not life itself. Even King Saul received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, 1 Samuel 19, 22, 22 through 24. But he did not think that he experienced life on the contrary it simply exposed him in truth after he received the outpouring he made himself as the bible declares naked this illustrates that the outpouring of the holy spirit is different from life life is not the outpouring life is only christ himself in the spirit I beg you that you will try your best to understand that I'm not trying to criticize but I am very burdened with what God has laid on my heart over these last several months concerning the body of Christ when I see this this situation I see a desperate situation of God's people not really truly understanding or knowing in who it is that they are engaging I do not know really what to say or what to do when the teachings are taught people are responsive when the gifts are mentioned many are stirred up but when the inner life and the indwelling christ are ministered how great is the need for an inner revelation the doctrines and the gifts are outward but jesus is hidden within us how the lord's people need to know the indwelling presence of god who is the living and powerful the converting the regulating the strengthening the refreshing and the uh, the, uh, the transforming uh, spirit of God. We have to also see that the building of the church is not a matter of position or responsibility, but a matter of life in the inner being. It's not a matter of putting someone into a position, but it is the growth to maturity of the inner life. The inner being must be wrought by God through his inward working. The more we put people into position, the more we will have nothing. But the more we help people to realize the growth of life, The more the life of God Will be multiplied in you The growth of the inner life Is the sure way of building Up the church then through Matured life we will Spontaneously be qualified To exercise responsibility For any position We may be put in Again I have to repeat this God's intention is to Impart Jesus into us And make Jesus everything Within us God uses the teaching and these gifts to help us. He uses these things, but these are not the main thing. Inner revelation is needed so that we might see the goal of God, which is Christ coming alive within us. Then, whenever we are meeting together, we are the living house or the living God, or we can really truthfully declare that we are the church, the place where God dwells, the place where God lives, the place where God works, the place where we bear the testimony of Jesus, who is the reality of the whole universe. Then we will have a real manifestation Of the living God in us And this is the way uh, of God's recovery today We ought to look to the Lord for the inner grace So that we may have the reality Of what is the real church So I ask you again today Who is the church? And if your answer is I am the church Then what you are saying is I am the place where Jesus dwells, where Jesus lives, where Jesus experiences life. So then the things I do cannot be reflective of me. They have to be reflective of he that is alive in me. And all that I am, all that I say, all that I believe, all that I dream should be a manifestation of him. I wish you the best Sunday ever. May you realize who you are when you declare that I am the church. You are the place where God dwells. He is the content, and we are just the container. God bless you. This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.